So wage growth sounds sexy, but we have to understand when wage growth comes, interest rates are going to go up. So though we might get an extra $3,000 a year in our uh, paycheck, if it does drop to 3%, we're going to be spending that on interest rates for many people in the economy. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Now, I tell you what, folks, today we're going to dig into 2022 because this is actually the last show of 2021. And I tell you what, what a year it has been. We have seen some absolute milestones unfold inside the real estate economy. And outside the real estate economy, we've seen all sorts of things happen. Uh, We've seen James Bond being blown up. Who would have thought that James Bond could die? We've seen Harry and Meghan leave the royal family. We've seen the bisexual bachelor. Jeez, it's been a year to remember. And I'll tell you what, I want to do some shout outs when it comes to this show, some long-term fans that have made the show possible. Hey, uh, big shout out and a happy new year has to go to Penny and Nick. Uh, Those biscuits you sent earlier in the year, absolutely delicious. It took me about six months to finish them all. But I tell you what, what a biscuit you guys can make. So you guys get the 2021 best Biscuit Award of the Urban Property Investor. Shout out has to go to Simon, who uh, has sent me a message and has let me know that the Urban Property Investor is his top top podcast of 2021. He has listened to 40 episodes. Uh, Facebook is telling him what he listens to and Apple iTunes is telling him, what he has done the most listening of, and guess what? It is this show. So for the most consumed listener award, it has to go to Simon. And uh, certainly, I think when it comes to the best leadership award, we gave this out not so long ago. It has to go to Alison. Uh, who is just a sponge when it comes to getting involved in the real estate investment community. She is all over it. And I'll tell you what, uh, the final award this year absolutely goes to my mate Rebecca or Beck. Uh, You know who you are. We did some buyer's agency work this year together and you just blow my mind because – Um, you took the best part of around nine months to buy a property and a lot of that was saving and hustling and um, making offers on property and watching properties not work out for you and then eventually we got there. So uh, I tip my hat to you, Beck. You um, absolutely crushed it in 2021 
And I tell you what, to all my other clients um, that have been involved in, yeah, you know, doing deals and uh, raising rents and and um, giving, you know, rental relief to unfortunate people in lockdowns and uh, refinancing, I tell you what, my hat goes out to you because 2021 was an exciting year, that's uh, for sure. I think everything unfolded. We had lockdowns, we had government um, seizing control of the community, we had uh, vaccination, um, hysterity, we had, uh, you name it, we had the real estate market rising in value, we had the mean of real estate change in value, we had just about everything. And of course, I think uh, where we have left up is a pretty bizarre place. In fact, today, uh, people are now not only buying real real estate, bricks and mortar, they are now buying NFTs, which uh, some NFTs are actually digital real estate uh, holdings. And uh, I believe I saw a sale the other day of $129,000 someone paid for some digital real estate. And um, that is just blowing my mind. So obviously, as uh, more generations come through, perhaps they're feeling a bit isolated from the high cost of real estate. So they're starting to make things up. Um, And uh, who knows? Who knows what um, that will lead to in the future? No one really has a crystal ball when it comes to what happens next in any economics. Uh, I certainly want to go through some of the things I've seen in 2021 that will no doubtly unfold again in 2022. And I liken 2021 to kind of getting up Mount Everest. Have you seen photos lady lately of trying to get up Mount Everest? Um, it is packed, right? There is literally almost like a kilometer long queue of climbers that are trying to reach the summit and without question 2021 was really a bit of uh, a high demand marketplace we saw really a lack of stock in the market and ultimately a bucket load of demand when it came to consumer confidence and people wanting to get into the market. I think when we look forward into 2022, one of the big conversations will definitely be about rents. Today, uh, there is a real lack of stock. And of course, if migration returns, we will enter a boom phase when it comes to the rental market. We are going to see much of the rental market feel rental stress as rents potentially rise where market rents start to move. Um, And really in most markets, we're going to see some high growth when it comes to rents. Um, Obviously, some marketplaces are coming off a low base by virtue of obviously lockdowns, places like Sydney and Melbourne have had more lockdowns than just about anyone. And, you know, it's fair to say that uh, the rental market in those areas are going to rebound, but also in other marketplaces, which have been more fortunate not to suffer uh, rental 
um, lockdowns, they will continue to grow as well. So prediction for 2022 is definitely we're going to see rental growth as a big conversation piece in the marketplace. I fair to, I think it's fair to say the pandemic is now more an endemic. We now need to live with this thing called coronavirus where uh, on top of it, I guess at a global level to think through how to move, how to open borders, how to get on aeroplanes. It is now really an endemic. It's going to be with us for a very, very long time. So uh, I think if you categorize 2020 and 2021, really was almost like government taking away people's civil liberties to protect the healthcare system uh, into the future. I think government will need to take a step back. Uh, into 2022, do I see more lockdowns and more hysteria? Uh, well, I'm certainly hoping not. Having lived through a lockdown, I can tell you it is not fun. And uh, if anyone's likely to hit the streets and burn cars, if there was to be an, another lockdown, I tell you what, uh, you know, I could be one of those people. I could be sending light to cars in the middle of the city uh, if I was pushed back into lockdown. It is not good for the economy. It is not good for people's mental well-being. It is not good. Humans are social animals, so I think we need to move past the idea of the lockdown era. But certainly, uh, I also like to be a good citizen. And I think for the last two years, most people in Australia have dug deep and been great, good citizens to basically get through the most crucial part of the pandemic. And uh, now, obviously, we can all move forward together. So I probably shouldn't say I'd burn a car, should I? But uh, I think the reality is, um, you know, there is this kind of argument, obviously, uh, healthcare versus obviously, you know, uh, your civil civil rights as a citizen of Australia. And, uh, you know, I think in the beginning we did need to take one for the team and uh, protect the community. Um, moving forward, do I believe that? No, I think uh, enough people are vaccinated in the economy and I think it's time to open up. I think it's time to bring back migration it's time to fix the supply chain issues which are unfolding in society. It's time to let people earn a living. It's time to stop stimulating the economy with uh, the printing press. It is time to get back to work and I'm looking forward to that. Um, that is for sure. Now, speaking of stimulus which unfolded over the last two years, you have to go back to probably the number one stimulus of the real estate economy, which was the Home Builder Grant. The Home Builder Grant alone brought forward around 53,000 extra builds over the last 18 months. So homes which would not exist uh, by 
virtue of normal economics were created off the back of the $25,000 federal government grant, which really helped people into the real estate marketplace. Now, there's a lot to learn off the back of this grant. Certainly does show that real estate is a big rock of economics, that government can create the wealth effect if they just stimulate the real estate market just a little bit. It takes out a lot of the supply. And of course, what that does is almost uh, create more demand than there is supply. And all of a sudden, people create wealth. And the wealth in reality is a little bit of a placebo effect because a lot of it is air, a lot of it is equity, a lot of it is debt to banks. But also, it can be cashed in and uh, it can be used, right? So, the Home Builder Grant absolutely morphed a lot of the conversations around housing stock levels. Uh, And I think it's fair to say that a lot of people moved to regional communities to take advantage of the Homeowner Grant. Uh, A lot of people moved to satellite communities to take advantage of the Homeowner Grant. And when we look at the new homes being built over the last 18 months, a lot of it was bait to get people to take up the uh, home builder grant. And why that is a thing? When we look at the jobs market in Australia, there is a large proportion of people which are in what is known as tier three jobs. They are typically tradespeople and they make up a lot of Australia's middle class. The idea of them not having work and being locked down during a pandemic uh, is not good for economics. So the government created a really, really interesting way to deal with the challenge of the middle class uh, potentially not earning. They created a boost and over uh, 140,000 homes were built off the back of it with around 53,000 homes brought forward. So the demand has been incredible. And of course, what this has led to is uh, an undersupply of real estate. Now, when you build single houses, there really is never really an oversupply of that product. And the reason being is it is usually taken to market then and sold at the same time. Uh, Builders and developers don't build houses and then wait for a buyer. Quite often what happens with apartments, uh, developers and builders will build them and then wait for a buyer. You do not see that with houses. And again, to build a house in Australia today, In many, many popular areas, it is now a two-year wait. Think of it uh, like that. That is the catch-up we need to do in the marketplace. There is just not enough homes supporting the real estate marketplace. And of course, when the population engine begins with migration coming into Australia and some politicians are talking about over the next two years trying to get over 2 million people back into the economy, back into Australia, 2 million more residents to fill 
the supply gap which has unfolded off the back of two years of lockdowns, well, I tell you what, uh, I don't know where those people are going to live and all that will do is create more pressure on the rental market because obviously those people come in, they don't buy that day, they arrive, they become renters and we are going to see some incredible, incredible surges in rent should uh, the borders... Uh, start to really flow with new people coming through the front door. So exciting stuff for real estate investors, less exciting if you're a renter. Uh, And of course, when we monitor the undersupply figures, it's not just the housing market, which is undersupplied moving into 2022. It is very much the apartment market as well. And if anything, the apartment market is just a lot harder to actually fix because houses, particularly in greenfield areas, um, the approval to get the house done is quite quick. The build time is quite quick. Um, The skill level of the builder as a home builder is not as challenging as it is to, for example, build Uh, a mid-rise or a high-rise or a low-rise apartment complex. They're completely different. With apartments as well, you generally see it takes about a year to get a permit or a development application. So it takes like a year to to even be approved to build that product. Then you've got to um, sell it, which takes like six months. Then you've got to build it, which takes 18 months. The whole process can take about three years. So when we look into the predictions of stock coming through the apartment section across the country, it is ridiculously low. In fact, uh, some reports are suggesting the next real rebound of stock levels will probably be around 2026. In other words, um, for the next two to three years, really, we can look into what's happening in 2025 because uh, 2022 is the production year. In other words, what development applications are approved, what, um, what development applications are being lodged. And, you know, you are just seeing crickets. Um, and it's easy to understand why, you know, at the moment, um, you know, uh, the production of of building is is a difficult thing. Like um, costs are rising within the building sector, and of course, um, you know the the overall uh, ability to find real estate which works mathematically for a developer and find a build that works in obviously multi-family product like apartments. Very, very difficult to do. And I think, if anything, we are now going into a massive looming undersupply of that product. And into 2022, we're going to have some different marketplaces which are going to unfold. We're going to uh, still monitor and see success in that extremist stun, middle ring, inner ring 
real estate marketplaces, which are highly prized livable pockets of society. But we'll also see some opportunity in mean reversion, which is just the idea that um, when something should be growing, but it's bottlenecked um, for whatever reason, it creates almost like this parked inflation process. And so the best way to understand a lot of the growth which will hit the apartment market is it should have occurred. Uh, It will occur. When it occurs, nobody actually knows. But the likelihood of it occurring is highly strong because the gap between apartments and houses is too wide. Affordability is based on what people can borrow. When people can only borrow a certain amount, they then look particularly at the apartment section in lifestyle corridors and pull uh, the trigger. And so what we will see is definitely growth in that section of the marketplace. And there are some fundamental reasons why. There is no stock coming through the system. The existing stock is starting to trade uh, because of obviously its affordability and location principles. And the fact that there has been uh, almost a lack of growth is actually what people are buying. If there had been growth, the product would not be affordable. So it's kind of the start of the cycle. And if you look in uh, places like Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane, uh, the East Coast, big, big marketplaces, a lot of them have the opportunity to see growth, particularly in some of the apartment section of the marketplace. So I think some really good signals there for 2022. In fact, when we look at how the media is treating 2022 with real estate, they've already moved on to 2023, which blows my mind. They can't find anything wrong with 2022. So they're starting to pick on 2023. They're actually talking about the market adjusting in 2023, not 2022. So uh, interesting to watch that unfold. You're starting to see clickbait. Oh, be careful of, uh, you know, 2023, you know, the market's going to go down 5%. People obviously clicking on that. But what they're not talking about is the real estate market actually could be going 8 and 10% in 2022. So certainly from my perspective, I think a lot of that growth is going to come through the system early next year, perhaps the first half of next year, remembering we have a federal election next year, which quite often messes with the mojo of real estate. It quite often creates almost like uh, a sit and wait approach from buyers and sellers. So what it can do, it's rather like a lockdown, if you like. People um, go, well, you know, should I just wait to see who's going to win the election? Not that really any of it actually matters uh, in its entirety once the election is done. But going back to 2019, 
that election obviously was highly geared around real estate. So there was a real, um, you know, I guess, fear in the market when it came to that election. Less so this time, but I do think probably the best part of the capital growth will definitely hit um, straight after uh, the Christmas and New Year break. And I think with borders opening in many, many places, people who were hoping to move and migrate and and have a sticky beak at real estate markets will get that opportunity. Remember, a lot of buying has been sight unseen for many people in 2021. People were making million-dollar decisions on their laptop using Google Earth and, um, you know, buyers agents and and uh, obviously, uh, you know, trying to make the best of the, the situation. People will be able to move and I think you will find obviously – uh, some people are less comfortable buying without seeing real estate and all of a sudden they will be going to Melbourne going, there's good opportunities. They will be going to Brisbane going, this is a, you know, a real hot market. Um, I need to need to go to that auction and buy that property. So you're going to start to see, I think, the almost like those laggards giving the market another nudge, um, maybe paying a little bit more than they could have, you know, seven or eight months ago. But for a lot of people, money is not the problem. It's more the certainty of uh, long-term viability, which makes a lot of sense as well. Now, I think uh, with borders opening into 2022, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating time watching new arrivals coming into the country. Um you know, some of our cities are continuing to grow. You know, an incredible footnote, which uh, really no one talked about during 2021, was Melbourne reached the milestone of 5 million people, uh, which is incredible. It joined Sydney as a city of 5 million people, an absolute uh, goliath of, uh, of a place. And of course, I think uh, you know, with more people coming back into Australia, quite often Melbourne is a bit of a launch pad city for jobs and uh, it is very mission fit. So it attracts a lot of people on a mission with skills migrating into Australia. Trends without question are land scarcity, lifestyle scarcity, and as I alluded to in my most recent Extremistan episode, uh, affordability scarcity. We have some real shortages when it comes to what real estate looks like in 2022. There is no land. There is uh, very, very difficult to find a lifestyle property which is, uh, you know, cheap. It it's almost doesn't exist anymore. And... Even for property investors, a lot of property investors can no longer afford property. So they can't become property investors. Um, so th the idea that real estate investment is going to be the vehicle of supply is just, it, it won't happen. Uh, and 2021 
has marked the transformation, the change. Government will need to do something to provide housing to those that can least afford it. And uh, I think we're seeing the end of the era of just property investors being the only vehicle for renters to become um, basically or to get a house or a roof over their head. So, uh, you know, what we are seeing for a good city like Brisbane or Melbourne, uh, you know, or Canberra, you know, the entry level is really, you know, let's face it, five fifty, six hundred thousand dollars is is where you know most people need to play to buy um, a reasonable property. And so when that's a thing, um, despite the fact money's really cheap at the moment, obviously, um, a lot of property investors, you know, can't keep up with that cost. And so I think uh, though the investors are back in droves in the marketplace, uh, it's certainly something that if you don't act and we do get another 10% price rise, I think um, a lot of people will start to be priced out of the investment section of the marketplace. Not the homeowner section of the market, but certainly the investor section of the market. Investment real estate will end up becoming a a wealthier person sports, so to speak. I think what we have learned from 2021 and, and, you know, part of my predictions dating back to 2017 was the model which I teach, which is a model known as the behavioral economy, the urban behavioral economy, which is today people will pay a lot of money for real estate where they can live, work and play and where there is community knowledge and community wellness. And what I mean by that is there is the ability to work smart, there is the ability to uh, be around um, other, other smart community members, be around other smart schooling systems. And of course, wellness is that sort of principle that you know, a beach brings wellness, um, a great cafe culture brings wellness, uh, a great urban forest brings with it wellness. And and the reality is um, my model, which I designed all the way back in 2017, which I sort of pinpointed it, wrote a book about it. I even guest lectured at the University of Sydney on it. Um, the return of the neighborhood, if you like, was going to become a big, big, big concept in real estate. Well, we know what that uh, that has unfolded and it's not going to die. It is going to thrive, if you like. It's going to continue to be of huge value to the real estate marketplace into the future. So, of course, if you if you want to make money out of real estate and you just want to do it simply, you buy real estate where someone can live, work, play, where there's knowledge, wellness, and, of course, the final part of the urban behavioural economy, which is mobility, the, the ability to uh, move about and uh, really, again, that is going to be highly valuable in an endemic world where we move from pandemic to endemic. You know, how valuable is being able to use a 10-minute Uber ride right now 
and duck into a major urban area, city or something like that, as opposed to sharing, I don't know, um, the train with 55 other people or sorry, sorry, 5,000 other people, right? So all of a sudden, the idea of mobility is, again, a critical part of this puzzle. And when we study, you know, what people have highly prized during um, the transformation, the great spatial transformation of change, it has been things like connection to local shops and community uh, I don't know if you've been to your local shops lately, but it's getting difficult to even park the car because more people are using them than ever before. I think you are seeing the rise of walkability. I've been talking about this stuff forever. And all of a sudden, it is uh, now a huge, huge driver of what real estate is and how and what type of real estate becomes significant more and more successful. I think 2021 has taught us in real estate, the more we spend, the more we're going to make, right? And the idea of affordability is cool, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if you want to make more money out of real estate, you've just got to buy the better assets and the better assets cost more money. And sometimes there's this perverted logic in real estate that if real estate has already grown, um, do I, don't I just go and, you know, uh, you know, necessarily go and find, you know, something that hasn't. And whilst that can be right, it can also be wrong. And I know that sounds confusing, but yes, you would follow, for example, the logic of mean reversion, but going and finding just a cheaper place where there has been very little success of capital growth is telling you something, you know, it may actually mean that you're better off paying more for real estate in a proven growth market because it is proven. And when we look at some of the proof of growth marketplaces, for example, in Sydney, you know, these marketplaces are consistently being successful. Uh, you know, Bronte, New South Wales, where has a beautiful beach, it's gone up basically a million dollars this year proven model. Seaforth, uh, Northern Beaches, gone up uh, close to a million dollars. Proven growth marketplace. Now, of course, Sydney is extreme and I think it's very difficult for people to play in Sydney. But what about the Brisbane version of Seaforth or the uh, Melbourne version or a smaller regional cities version of those marketplaces. That's kind of what we're we're looking for when it comes to real estate. And as I alluded to, uh, buying opportunity is great. Uh, we are seeing in some of these lifestyle areas, the seaforths of the world, the mean reversion of the apartment market. That makes complete sense. But going out to Timbuktu to buy real estate just because it's cheap, you know, doesn't necessarily make sense. And, you know, if you study real estate, you know, there's different types of real estate, different types of typology, if you like, of real estate. And it's interesting, we are seeing records being set for different typologies. A lot of the conversation has been driven around the housing market, but townhouses, for example, are starting to reach record highs 
in many, many marketplaces. Melbourne's had record townhouse sales. Uh, Sydney's had record townhouse sales. Brisbane, record townhouse sales. And really, you know, one would argue this smaller terrace home with really good land value is becoming highly prized when it comes to the real estate market. People know the land value is worth money. Uh, and they they also know that, you know, the product um, offers, you know, a great um, amount of bedrooms and space and living ability. You know, recently in Mossman, Sydney, a, uh, a, a townhome just, just sold for $4.1 million. $4.1 million for a 165-square-metre townhome. So that's a record. Um, that's a record, certainly, for that part of Sydney. There may be other records out there. But again, we're starting to see into 2022 that uh, lifestyle areas, despite potentially not offering the most amount of space, are abs- absolutely in vogue. And you are also seeing that in the apartment space with the right size apartment getting some pretty incredible prices in the real estate marketplace. I tell you what, i got a question for you. Do you feel wealthier right now than you did, say, 18 months ago? Do you feel richer? And I tell you what, for a lot of people with assets, they feel richer. They've made a lot of money. And there's a lot of lessons in that, guys, because if you don't get enough capital into the market, uh, you fundamentally, when these things come along, these big shifts in structure and and growth, um, you just don't catch the wave of wealth. And a lot of people just have not had a great wealthy experience from the wealth effect. And that makes no sense to me. When the wealth effect comes along, you want assets in the market to make you wealthier. And certainly a lot of my customers have made, uh, you know, into the millions when it comes to wealth from the wealth effect. And the wealth effect, of course, is just this principle that government can pull the strings and say, you know what? If we want confidence, we got to make our citizens wealthy. How are we going to create that confidence? Well, let's play with the real estate marketplace. And obviously, going back to Home Builder, that removed basically all the new land supply coming into the market. Uh, what that did was fundamentally create a bit of a frenzy. Obviously, the low rates obviously continued to help confidence. And of course, uh, employment levels with no new migration coming into the country obviously have been lowered. And again, that creates almost like this effect where many businesses feel fairly confident. And I guess when you look at the idea of certainty, human beings generally feel more comfortable buying in a hot market than they do in a cold market. And really, you know, uh, I'm a big advocate of, you know, buy when you've got the opportunity, but obviously when things are cold, you know, you're not instantly going to make a huge amount of money, but you will be able to barter for a better better price. Uh, We are not going back to a cold market anytime soon. And so the reason being... 
consumer confidence is absolutely at an all-time high. So people buying feel confident. Employment, um, you know, there there is low unemployment. Um, there is jobs, boards up in every cafe in Sydney right now. And money is still cheap. And even if there were interest rate rises, arguably money is still going to be very, very cheap. You know, you have to go to an interest rate marketplace where you're borrowing money at 6 and 7% for money to next feel expensive. In fact, when your servicing is done, when you borrow money today, it is done at 6 and 7% because... You know, that is where the stretch limit for a lot of people is going to be. So back to the question, do you feel wealthier? Well, the short answer is a lot of Australians absolutely do feel wealthier off the back of the pandemic going into the endemic. Um, And a lot of that is seen in really uh, consumer sentiment indexing. And right now, we're at a decade high, a decade. That is crazy to think, right? The, the logic of that seems bizarre, that we have just gone down through lockdowns. We've gone through, um, you know, this, this idea of, of uh, you know, a pandemic sweeping the earth. We've been unable to move. We've had some very draconian government, um, you know, kicking us and making us feel shit. Uh, and all of a sudden, consumer-wise, we feel great. We've been able to save more money. Um, we feel richer because our house price or apartment or a townhouse has gone up in value. We feel like we are worth more. And when people feel like they're worth more, the wealth effect has been successful. And it's fair to say the wealth effect has been successful. People feel richer. I certainly feel richer. Now, a lot of that wealth I can't even get because I can't borrow it to use it, but it still makes me feel richer. And for a lot of people, they're in the same boat. They're like, you know what? Yeah, I've got an extra $100,000 worth of wealth in my real estate. Yeah, I'll drop another 10K on a holiday or I'll, um, you know, spend to upgrade uh, and buy a boat or buy a car or and of course this is the velocity of money right this is what the wealth effects designed to do move the money faster if the money goes from me to you from you to someone else from someone else to someone else it's moving and when it moves it creates velocity and when the velocity of the money is moving faster more things are being consumed my money goes to your you your money goes to someone else And all of a sudden, we get this kind of spending consumption movement of economics, which is the foundation of the capital system, right? And again, into 2022, unless they slow the movement of money by raising interest rates, which a lot of economists believe won't happen, and even the Reserve Bank openly states it's not going to happen, then the money is going to continue to move quickly. It's going to move around. People are going to use it. And again, really the telltale sign if interest rates will uh, drive up is if wages grow. And at the moment, we're at an interesting place. We're at about a 4% unemployment rate. 
Obviously, the borders open. Will that uh, push it up to a 5% unemployment rate? Uh, if it goes from 4 to 5% unemployment rate, that's kind of downside for wage growth. If it goes from 4% to 3% un- uh, unemployment rate, that's kind of upside for wage growth. In other words, wages will rise. So it's interesting. We're in a balancing point. And 2022 is the year to watch this. Does it go to 5% or does it go to 3%? Nobody knows. We'll soon find out. Uh, if it goes to 3 wage growth is going to be a thing. And if it goes to 5 uh, wage growth is not going to be a thing. So wage growth sounds sexy, but we have to understand when wage growth comes, interest rates are going to go up. So though we might get an extra $3,000 a year in our uh, paycheck, if it does drop to 3%, we're going to be spending that on interest rates for many people in the economy. For many renters though, they will then uh, have that $3,000 to spend on housing. And really, housing is the winner. If we get wage growth, banks are the winner. And I don't know if anyone's been looking at the the stock rate for banks lately, but they are absolutely a massive winner when it comes to how money works inside of Australia. Obviously, we are a country of limited banks. We've got um, four, uh, if you include Bendigo, five major banks and, you know, um, again, you know, we, we, we get paid more, we pay more for money. That's as simple as it, it is. So I don't really buy into the conversation that much around the idea of, of um, you know, interest rates because, you know, like even if there were interest rate increases, I actually think the market is set up for tenants to pay it. Tenants are going to be the worst hit in this marketplace. And again, um, you know, uh, I know many rent investors who rent a better lifestyle and have assets. I know uh, just renters in the marketplace. And I think um, what we will see is really the rent rental market um, certainly be, be the next uh, big maneuver inside the real estate economy. Potentially, uh, you know, obviously the robust amounts of wealth effect growth, you know, are not coming again. It's happened. It's happened. But, uh, you know, returning to a more moderate level of growth is a great thing. And you know what? I wouldn't even mind if the real estate market went down. Uh, there you go. I'm not one of these people that is a junkie for capital growth constantly from real estate. I like a bit of pain. I like kicking sellers. I like uh, a bit of a crunch because crunches create deals. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm not all for just huge amounts of constant capital growth. I think the rhetoric around that sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes I sit in conversations about, yay, the market's going to grow. And I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, are we all addicted to this thing? Is this a, is this an addiction? Is this a cocaine addiction growth? Uh, Because at the end of the day, I tell you what you can control in your world. You can control your debt, control your cash flow. And, uh, you know, if you uh, model debt and cash flow principles, you know, you can own a lot of real estate without actually caring about growth because you never reach out into your wage. You know, my, my wage is positive cash flow. I don't spend my wage on 
real estate. My wage is positive. Like, you know, when we talk about positive cash flow, you can have positive cash flow wages, you can have positive cash flow real estate, and you can have positive cash flow tax. Most people do not have positive wages, do not have positive cash flow real estate, and do not have positive tax. And uh, the reality is, you know, if you if you build real estate where the income profile of it is designed to pay for itself, then you're not really um, caring that much about whether growth happens or not. It obviously happens over a longer term. But there is this kind of good time Charlie that's like, shit, man, I need growth. Um, the only reason I'm buying real estate is for growth. And if I don't get growth in a year and a half, um, the, the whole mission's been a failure. I'll tell you what would be more up your alley go into maybe Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency because you're going to get the volatility extremes you're looking for, potentially make more money quickly and uh, you could potentially lose more money quickly. But real estate is not designed for that. And again, some of these uh, micro prudential economic ideas, you know, I'm like, whatever, man, uh, you know, give me a bit of a crunch but it's not going to happen. And the reason it's not going to happen, the reason we're not getting the 2022 crunch that I'm looking for is consumer demand. It is just pent up. And really with a strong economic recovery at a global level, uh, Australia is having to not create like a huge economic recovery because it handled the pandemic you know, fairly well better than most other countries. It had more activity going on during the pandemic than many other countries. 2022 is without question, you know, absolutely going to be a pent up demand year. I think I will go on 17 holidays if I get the chance to in 2022. I want to go everywhere, do everything. Uh, I want to go to every bar, every restaurant. I want to uh, play, uh, you know, every game there is in 2022. I want to live, God damn it. And I tell you what, um, I want to make 2022 the best year of my life. And the reason being is I've got a lot of pent up uh, things that have not unfolded off the back of 2020 and 2021. And I look back on those years and yes, I'm always chipper, but let's face it, they were pretty shit. Let's make sure we have some community fun and get back out there and see our friends and family and do some adventures, get back to normal life. Though the real estate market was great in 2020 and 2021, I think the social world was a little challenge. When you're doing Zoom dinner parties, you know what? I think we can all do a little bit better than the old Zoom dinner party, right? Let's get out there, have some fun, um, and rip it up in 2022, folks. Uh, Omicron or no Omicron, let's rip it up. And I tell you what, um, when we look into that pent-up demand, really that is going to be the big conversation in 2022. Where is the money being spent? Is it going to continue to flow into real estate or will it flow into other things? And will some of the wealth effect flow into other things? Will money move as quick as it's been moving? And I uh, tend to believe it will be, and I think 2022 is going to be an absolute cracking year for uh, for growth, albeit I don't mind a good crunch. 
Uh, I think one of the challenges of 2022 will be, again, the conversation around supply chain resilience. And this is where industrial land is going to become even more and more valuable. Um, the reality is what we have learned is we need to manufacture more as a country. We need to supply ourselves more. We need to stockpile supplies more because if anything, 2020 and 2021 has shown uh, we are a tad broken when it comes to supply chain issues. Uh, in other words, the building industry suffering supply chain issues, uh, just about every industry, the car industry, uh, a lot of it is to do with not being able to store stock, not being able to create your own stock. And, uh, you know, again, from things like onshoring, the creation of um, creation of of uh, of vaccines, to onshoring uh, more ability to create manufacturing, is going to be a thing. And what this does is it means that the industrial land is up for grabs and will create a really good return on investment for those that can afford the industrial land market. I think it's going to continue to boom. But what it does do is uh, it puts pressure again on the residential marketplace because a lot of that industrial land, when it falters, gets recycled or uh, rezoned into residential real estate. And because industrial land's going to become a, a thing, I think what you're going to see is uh, a high consumer demand for it. And of course, capital growth rates in industrial are going to be absolutely pretty sexy into 2022. I think uh, you will also see industrial rents uh, skyrocket as well. And again, um, you know, some of these sort of areas in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth have, uh, you know, been waning over the last sort of decade. And now, if anything, um, they are going to be hot property. And of course, because they're hot property, they will create shortages of more residential land being produced because all of a sudden um, government now needs to go, well, do we allocate that new parcel of land to industrial or residential? And supply chain is a real problem. Let's choose industrial. So again, less stock going into the residential section of the marketplace. I think 2021 taught us as well that the green economy is a real thing. Uh, people are prepared to pay for a net zero product if they can uh, get it. Uh, the NADA score, uh, thermal efficiency, you know, it is a big consumer conversation for people. Um, and, you know, I think it's something moving forward which is going to grow in its importance to the marketplace, particularly as newer generations come through. Um, what's important to them is completely different to the baby boomers sitting in the cafe right now uh, having the $3 muffin, um, you know, basically – uh, you know, not even thinking about this kind of stuff, right? And, uh, you know, we've got to realise we live in the decade of like Greta Thunberg and uh, all of this stuff has 
has a flow-on effect. And I think the ESG conversation is a big one. I think it will make real estate more expensive, but also deliver better products when it comes to the real estate marketplace. And I think the consumers of tomorrow will want um, a very, very good property in their portfolio, which sees out some of the challenges of uh, of climate resilience, which is pretty cool. Um, and sustainable living is back. People want to live again in a good suburb, uh, you know, with its own sort of growers market, a good suburb where there is uh, this idea of wellness, this idea of, you know, there's there's lots of coffee shops, but there's lots of yoga studios and Pilates studios and gyms and there's places to jog and, you know, health is on the rise. And I'm here to tell you when we look at the real estate marketplace, the idea of that behavioral economy, which I'm talking about, you know, it's very valuable and it's going to continue to be valuable into 2022. Uh, I don't see a value proposition changing in that space for a very, very long time that is for sure. And I think, you know, investors, they're back on the rise. They will jump into the marketplace. The affordability constraints will push some out of the real estate market for now. But for those that can afford it, 2022 is shaping up to be a very, very good year when it comes to real estate. And for that reason, I think most people need to just jump back into the marketplace. Remember, if you are shopping, employability is a big conversation piece. Where the jobs are, where livability is, is a very big conversation piece. And of course, uh, for investors, make sure you can get a little bit of a rental return so you can afford to own that real estate and not necessarily devour your wage. I do think probably the big conversation in real estate into 2022 is the command-led economy. Uh, What is the command-led economy? The command-led economy, folks, is just the idea that the government pulls the strings. Real estate is not a free market. We've seen that over 2020, 2021. It is not a free marketplace. The real estate market should have collapsed in 2020 and 2021. Mortgage stress should have kicked in. We should have been crunching people mortgagee in possession. We weren't. Why? Because it's a command-led economy. The government did a deal with the banks. The banks gave people mortgage release. Uh, Government stepped in and gave tenants tenant relief. Uh, The command-led economy commanded the outcome of real estate. The command-led economy delivered the wealth effect. It said, you know what? Let's give people money to buy real estate. If we give people money to buy all of the supply of real estate, there will be no supply of real estate. That'll push real estate values up. And as such, uh, people will have equity. When people have equity, they feel like they've got more money. So they will be more likely to spend money. That money then gets spent and moves quicker. The velocity of money then speeds up. And of course, more things are consumed. And as such, the wheels of economics go around. Now, when we look at the wealth effect, it was created after some pretty critical squeezes which had unfolded in Australian real estate. We had 
Uh, really, the APRA set of squeezes, we had the federal election, we had the Banking Royal Commission, we had uh, the negative gearing scare campaign, and uh, off the back of that, we then had the RBA cutting money, money to the point where today it is basically worthless in the bank. A tenth of 1% is the cash rate, which is ridiculous. Um, and ultimately, that section of economics allowed the government to go, you know what, we've controlled this and squeezed this for too long. Let's unsqueeze it. Let's create the wealth effect. So the big conversation is, do the government step back in and start to meddle with uh, the real estate marketplace? Will it come? Well, it certainly won't come before the federal election. I think you'll probably see it more into 2023 than 2022. But if it does come and there is some meddling, so to speak, well, hey, it's probably going to happen in the next half or the latter half of next year after the election. And what that might look like is more uh, macro and micro prudential, um, you know, uh, elements where the regulator, like the RBA, steps in and goes, well, you know, banks, you need high deposits. So, you know, how you lend money needs to be re-looked at. So generally the only way to slow the real estate market down at the moment other than, um, you know, uh, other than anything else is to, it's to actually, you know, meddle with the lending parameters. It's, it's too far gone when it comes to stock. Like there is no stock. Like you cannot oversupply the market anytime soon. Really the next period of high stock levels is probably 2026. That's how far along we have to wait until really you could use supply to lower the cost of real estate. You cannot use supply right now to lower the cost of real estate. It's just not going to happen. So interesting, there are some dwelling price forecasts out by uh, all the major banks. And, you know, when we look at what that actually looks like into 2022, Sydney's going to do... potentially 6% dwelling value increase. That's higher than inflation. That's that's huge, right? That's a massive year. Remembering Sydney's just done 27%. Uh, Melbourne, 8% dwelling increase in values. Massive, 8%. Uh, now, if you've got a piece of real estate and it grows by 8%, just think about what that might look like. That's another, you know... Forty, fifty, a hundred thousand uh, dollars that your real estate could be worth by uh, this time next year. So very, very interesting. Brisbane's red hot at the moment. Ten uh, percent forecast for capital growth into twenty twenty two. Amazing, huge amount of growth. Again, uh, if you've got a five hundred thousand dollar property that could become a $550,000 property by the end of next year. So again, people love growth. I don't mind a crunch, but hey, it's going to grow again. Um, And the crunch may come in 2023 where we see, you know, a reversal of fortunes at around 5% on most marketplaces. But here's uh, where the rubber meets the road. Really, uh, Melbourne, Brisbane, anywhere from 8 to 10%. Perth, 8, Adelaide 8, 
uh, Hobart six. So Sydney and Hobart six percent. The rest eight to ten percent. Um, great levels of future capital growth coming through the system. And again, I think uh, we are in for a pent up demand. Uh, 2022, where consumers are confident, they want to shop, they want to spend. And for a lot of people who haven't been able to travel, this is their year to buy real estate, making it, again, a real estate market where there is more demand than there is supply. Hey, I tell you what, you guys have a cracking New Year's Eve. Um, I hope if you're single, you get to pash someone and have a have a bit of fun. Um, I hope, uh, you know, if you're with your family, you get to, you know, celebrate together and have a special moment. Um, and I tell you what, uh, I'll be at another holiday. Yes. Trying to do the second holiday of, uh, this month. Yes. I'm heading to Jarvis Bay. Yes. Jarvis Bay. Again, in New South Wales, having a little bit of fun down the coast. Hey, have, uh, a ripping uh, New Year's Eve and, um, you know, I hope you set some cracking goals for 2022 with your New Year's resolution. All right, I'll be back uh, and uh, we'll talk real estate soon. See you uh, in uh, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it. If you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.